All right, welcome to session two of Tavern Rambling, Ramblings. Ooh, I can speak from Lizards and Locations. This is John, brought to you with also going great right out the gate. This is Andrew as well from <laughs> Lizards and Locations. Yeah. All right. Uh, so after our first session, we talked a little bit about martial classes and some interesting stuff that we kind of brought up to it. Now we're looking at the arcane classes. Um, and so when I think arcane, I think sorcerer, warlock, wizard, bard, artificer. Is that pretty much who you have as well on yours? Yeah, that's that's what the book says are those. So we really can only go with what they say. Yeah, and I thought, I was like, man, because we haven't really talked about like, you know, blood hunter at all. And I wasn't sure if we should include them or not because they're not originally a part of it. Um, but even this artificer, if you think about it. Yeah, Bloodhunter is just not an officially licensed thing in the books that we're using at the moment. So, I mean, I, Bloodhunter is just its own special little niche thing that I don't think it necessarily needs to be talked about. If we wanted to do a thing about it, we could probably just do an entire freaking um, episode about made-up ones or, like, non-canon ones. Oh, true. Yeah, that would be kind of a cool thing to do, uh, especially when you get in subclasses, because there's so many great subclasses out there as well. People have made some very interesting subclasses, and uh, they've made some pretty weird ones, too. So it would be an interesting <laughs> thing to talk about. Yeah. So I was thinking about each one of these have kind of their own identity. You know, sorcerers have the, the sorcery points. The warlocks have the eldritch invocations, as well as the pact magic. Uh, the wizard has the spell book, which is actually really exclusive to them. The bard is kind of like a little bit of everything, but they have the inspiration. And then an artificer is kind of a, its own unique thing as well, with the ability to create innovations that have, you know, arcane capabilities. Yeah, and it is good that they have their own specific ways to do all their uh, mechanics. Don't forget the bard also has their um, like the bardic knowledge or whatever knowledge they have. I forget the actual name of the mechanic, but they can basically just take a spell from any other spell book and just put it in theirs. So yeah, it's and the the College of Lore is really strong in that. Yeah, College of Lore like specializes in that kind of thing. But I'm pretty sure all of them get it. All all schools get it, or all colleges get it. But the the lore one is the one that has the most uh, instances of that particular mechanic yeah so let's get this started with kind of some questions for you so my first question like with marshall do you have a favorite um like a, a favorite arcane class man do i have a favorite arcane class that's such a such an yes uh warlock <laughs> is my favorite class in the game i very much enjoy playing warlocks pretty much exclusively i've played like four or five different characters of warlocks just in dungeons and dragons not even counting like different uh different um, systems and video games and all that kind of good stuff. I have a Warlock going right now in Baldur's Gate 3 because like, as much as I like Will, it's like, no, nah, I want my own guy. I want him to do my own thing. You, know, you, can, <laughs> you can sit on uh, sit on the sidelines. Yeah, yeah War actually, Warlock is my favorite for sure. Will's actually sitting on the sidelines for me as well. I'm not going to mm -hmm. lie. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> you know. Um yeah, for me, it's uh, it's interesting because I, I think my favorite one is the Bard. Like, I have to say think because, like, I like a lot of the Arcane classes. I think they're all done extremely well. But the Bard is just so big for me in my personal life. You know, music is a huge part of me uh, as I teach percussion and 
um, you know, I think I think I relate to it the most. I also like that it's kind of like the Renaissance man. They do a little bit of everything. Um, mm -hmm. And that's a that's a play style that I really like the the ability to succeed and whatever they put their mind into. Yeah, why are we recording so late today? Why don't you let everybody know what? Uh... Yeah, yeah, we're actually recording this one. It's, it's ten for us right now as we're recording this because I just spent four and a half hours uh, doing drum maintenance. Uh, so <laughs> essentially, my drum line we need to do uh, clean the shells and. We put new heads on we got new wraps and, and then i had to tune every single drum uh so yeah <laughs> definitely yeah. a big part of my life is music yeah no for sure and, and bards just have that kind of skill uh expression that you can use with bards where like they get so much stuff and there's so much stuff you can do that um it's almost hard to recommend them to newer players i wouldn't really necessarily recommend any of the arcane classes to a new player at least not one that's not a like, a half caster, maybe an artificer. Yeah. Uh, but bard, even though I believe they're, a, are they even a half caster anymore? But like, even if they weren't, even if they were a half caster, it's so difficult to like kind of wrap your head around all the things they can do. That you're gonna go through this game and you're gonna be like, oh man, I could have done this back then. Oh, I could have done that. Oh, I forgot I had this. I forgot I had that. It's just frustrating for newer players to like have all of that stuff that you're not used to handling. Is the is wizard like your second favorite? Because I know you like wizards a lot. It seems. Uh, actually, uh, I don't know. What would my second favorite be? I think I prefer sorcerers from a RP standpoint to wizards. Uh -huh. I like meta magic, and yeah, like, yeah. and the only wizard character I actually have at the moment is a blade singer, which is like about as far away from a wizard as you can get without being while still being a wizard. Yeah, that's that's a very good point there. It's kind of like a hexblade warlock almost. You yeah. Know? Well, she was initially supposed to be uh, a sorcerer, and then I was like, okay. oh, I've made I've made so many charismatic style uh, characters. Like, what what would the difference between her and Sophia from The Longest Road be? And my answer was like, not a whole lot. She probably would be pretty similar. And then once Mary and I decided that we were going to have like twin characters and they were going to inverse their spells and you're both gonna have like the cool rage plus blade singer like enhanced duo yeah like the enhanced states they both get like okay this sounds so much cooler than like the really fledgling idea that i had and i was like i had <laughs> no problem wholesale throwing it i'm like nope blade singer wizard let's go i finally get to play a character with high intelligence <laughs> yeah i i think sorcerer is my second favorite because i love the idea of an innate power you know which is kind of weird because like you know i when i'm a teacher like i i like education wizard is obviously like a big part of my life too mm -hmm. uh the idea of school but sorcerer was something that clicked with me in a different media i'm thinking of like the x-men yeah uh, the, the idea of an innate power uh, the mutation that allows them to have these amazing ridiculous powers i was like oh sorcerer kind of has that vibe to it right i feel like you can make a subclass called like the mutant you know or something like that um, and mm -hmm. it, would, it would fit very well into that idea. Yeah, I could see that. And the biggest reason why I like Sorcerer above Wizard, just because of my background that I have, is back in 3.0, if you wanted to be a wizard, they were the most powerful class. They probably still are. But you had to go through and prepare the amount of spells you wanted like every single time. And there was no like, oh, I prepare this and I can cast it as many times as I want to. If you wanted to cast Fireball twice, you had to select Fireball twice. And, mm -hmm. that, and that 
was like the amount of slots you had and you had to like it was very granular it was very specific but they had by far the most um leeway and the most um flexibility in terms of spell casting and that hasn't changed honestly but yeah it was just easier to pick source for like oh yeah i like this spell this spell this spell this spell this spell and i could just cast them whenever i wanted to so like piggybacking off of that idea of of kind of rate rating them against each other when we think about you know when you purely min max them does the wizard beat the sorcerer in your opinion yeah like because they have so much access to spells right you know the spell book is such a, a strong feature no the, the wizard is always and should always be the most flexible caster and if not the most powerful one they should have the most um the most options because like you think of all of the different schools they have just in the player's handbook and then they even more expand on that in like the all of the um the, the complementary books like you've got the uh, chronological chronological uh, wizard and then you have like the, the chronology yeah yeah then you've got the gravity wizard you have all this other cool stuff that you can do and like does it compare to the divination wizard because they have two portent dice and those are kind of broken like maybe but the point is that the wizard just kind of has so many options that it's hard to compete with yeah i mean when you think about the 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 big selling point of a sorcerer is the sorcery points the meta magic right mm -hmm. and so you know all of these different meta magic options are, are weighted differently as well like you know quicken spell is, is useful but it's using it for a cantrip yeah you, you know like realistically to me the stronger of the ones is probably twin spell um I love you know, twin spell. Yep, absolutely. It's, it's a really cool idea. It's like, hey, hold person. Uh, I mean, hold person twice. Yeah, man. And like, you could do stuff up to like disintegration, like anything that requires just one. Like now, it it basically doubles the power of higher level spells. It's it's crazy. That that is a very strong meta magic option. And then I also like the. I think it's called. It's not extended. It's like the distant. I think it's distant spell. Yeah. Where it like essentially doubles whatever your your distance is that makes something like firebolt a basic cantrip mm -hmm. that has already a what, 120 feet or something like whatever it is for its distance now we're looking what 240 feet like try running away from me now yeah know, with something like that yeah doubling the range of something is pretty crazy and honestly being able to cast a spell that usually requires touch at 30 feet that alone is pretty good yeah depending on your build yeah, absolutely. Yeah, now thinking about like things like haste and stuff like that, and where, you, gosh, yeah, yeah. And then like extended spell, that's really good if you're trying to be like the a debuffer or a buffer for like a support character, which a lot of sorcerers aren't. That's not where their headspace is at. But mm -hmm. you, if you wanted to do that, you know, that's pretty good. Ex extended spell is really nice. Yeah, and, and you can pair that with something like I was thinking. Um, like Warcaster feet, so now you have advantage on your your concentration checks, and mm -hmm. you're extending your time. Like, oof, that could be dangerous. Yeah, and then uh, subtle spell, which was, it's not used as much as it used to be because I remember back in 3.5, it was used a lot because there were a lot of instances where you would be silenced or like entangled, and like there was a lot of rules where you couldn't cast spells under the specific circumstance. So like, oh look, a silence spell, like. That's way more effective now in 5th edition because a lot of players don't understand how to get around that. Like, if you're a caster and someone casts silence and they're just like, oh shit, well now what do I do? 
yeah. so sorcerers could get around that. I mean, they still can, but, you know, people were more aware of it back then. I actually grabbed it for my character, Janus, because mm -hmm. I was building this underwater guy, and I was like, oh, it's hard to cast, you know, verbal underwater. What if I had subtle spell metamagic? Yeah. And so, so I built it with the idea that they're used to casting underwater. It's just an innate thing that comes with the Triton society. Yeah. So that metamagic, there's a lot of cool stuff you can do. I and tend to agree with you that twin spell is just kind of the best one that you can kind of go with. Uh, I mean, careful spell can be useful. Like they can all be useful, but twin spell is just the best one. Yeah, and the with the new, you know, with the idea of memorizing spells, like adding spells to your spell book, wizard also like like we said, it has such a diverse repertoire. Mm -hmm. So, you know, their spell book. It, they could just find a really big bad and you as a dm you could entice your wizards with spell books hidden around you know mm -hmm. um and so it's it's a really cool mechanic i think actually all all these arcane classes have a lot of fun rp you know that you can do with them i think they are the most fun to rp personally like i always have the most fun doing arcane nonsense and like uh these characters that have either super high intelligence or super high charisma, and then their wisdom stat is dumb, so they make terrible decisions. Yeah. And it's just like, that's such a fun way to make a character that doesn't necessarily uh, have the sense of morality that a lot of characters might otherwise have. Mm hmm So like, you have like the character like, oh man, this both, and like, there are instances of both Sephira and Astra where they get, like things get to them and they don't have like a super high wisdom score. So they, I, I role play them as like, they don't have necessarily the tools to like deal with that internally. But with Sephira, her charisma is 20. So she can kind of overpower, like to kind of like, she knows what she wants to do. So it kind of, it doesn't bother her as much. And then Astra has like 11 for charisma. So she kind of, it kind of rattles her a little bit more because she yeah. doesn't have the same like sense of self that a character with 20 charisma would yeah that's that's a good point well kind of following that idea going into the, and we can i think we can deep dive into these classes based on how you use stats with them mm -hmm. right so um how do you think about the physical versus mental stats when you think arcane well first things first strength is going to be dumped like it just is there's no use yeah. it doesn't really have a use for it uh dexterity you're going to want a little bit you're going to want like probably plus one or plus two in dexterity just to kind of give yourself a little bit of a survivability in the early areas before you get like all of your defensive spells and like mirror image and all that stuff i mean and you can pair it with a mage armor right if you if you yeah. get dex so. yeah absolutely so you're, you get your mage armor like now you're not completely fucked if something try decides to attack you um constitution you should always have constitution i think that's like the every everybody should have constitution as at least the tertiary stat because it's just so important to not die. Yeah. And then, you know, with, with the other, with uh, intelligence and charisma, that just depends on what flavor of arcane caster you are. Like, if you're a wizard, you're gonna dump, you're gonna put all your shit into intelligence. If you're a sorcerer or a warlock, you're gonna go into, uh, or a bard or, and that you're gonna put into charisma. And then artificer to not leave anybody out will go into intelligence. But it's just yeah, one of so those things where you get to it, it just depends and then wisdom is kind of a dump stat as well 
Yeah, I was going to say, with, with the five classes, three of three of them are charisma and two of them are intelligence. Mm-hmm. And so that's kind of interesting. The, there, there's actually, I guess, wisdom is saved more for the divine uh that is Portal, usually how it is because druids and clerics both have wisdom, although paladins have charisma, which is like all right, sure. So <laughs> awkward, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I w- it would be interesting if you could. Ca- I know this, this is a weird concept, but casting with constitution. That's what I when I think paladins, I think about constitution. But well, that's an- another day. <laughs> yeah, I don't know because that's that's so. Like we, I've talked about this before in the group chats. Like you've heard of Mad, where it's like multiple ability dependent, where like you need all of these different abilities. If you have Constitution as a as a uh, as a spell as a casting thing, it's like having Strength as your casting. It's like, well, then what's like why, why you might as well just why put, not do this? Yeah, just put everything in Strength, and your character is completely broken, and there's nothing anyone can do about it. It's just like, yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I understand the idea of like, I imagine you'd want to be like using a your blood to fuel spells and that would be your charisma or your your constitution and like that's fine as a means to power spells but i don't think it should be what you use to uh do like your damage or your or like from a mechanic standpoint i feel like that's just not really that's not really the, the play i think that's more of a of a role play uh affectation than uh, anything that should be codified into a rule book yeah it's, it's interesting because you know having this discussion directly after when we talked about marshall mm-hmm. we had like three or four that were like okay you have to have this you should try to have this maybe you know if you can if you can fit <laughs> you, you know this yeah. that into there as well but with like the arcane it's like okay charisma intelligence <laughs> you know yeah. like it's it's like you have to have this you know at least make this an 18 <laughs> and then like yeah. Everything else we'll deal with. Yeah. Based it's, on your roleplay. It's definitely more straightforward, kind of oxymoronically or maybe ironically, because you think that like there's so many there's so many things you can do with these classes, but like when it comes down to the statistics, it's like, uh, you're gonna want this, you're gonna want this, you're gonna want this, and everything else can be ignored completely. Yeah, and for anybody who's new to arcane casting the reason why we're we're so adamant about having your spellcasting mod your, your spellcasting ability being your main stat is because you know your spell attack modifier will be affected by that your spell save DC will be affected by that and then typically people of these classes usually specialize in those ability checks with that that associated um, ability score. So like a, war, a wizard is going to be doing arcana checks, so they're probably going to want to have intelligence, mm-hmm. you know, um, and so. There, it's so heavily weighted into that primary stat. Yeah, it's it's very very specific, and then a lot of the times uh, that'll add to your damage as well. Like you'll you'll do a thing, and it'll add your spell casting modifier to the damage. Like specifically with warlocks and, and agonizing blast, like having plus five to damage is pretty good, especially when you get three attacks that do it. That's plus fifteen to damage if you hit all of them. Like that's not nothing. Yeah, and I think uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Warlocks, one of the packs, or whatever it is, one of the packs, mm-hmm. you, um, when you do weapon damage, one of the features of it is that you use your spellcasting modifier for even just a weapon attack. Uh, that, I believe, is limited to the Hexblade, and I'm pretty sure that's, the Hexblade. Pr- that's a pretty high-level thing when that happens. Okay. So, like, so okay. yes, that does happen, but it's not, like, a level 5 thing. It's, like, a, I think it's, like, a level, like, 13 thing. 
Okay. So okay, you have, you have sure. to really you have to really dedicate to the warlock path if you want that kind of thing. And the hexblade is probably the most popular one to not uh, go deep into that into the warlock pool. Mm -hmm. And you know the. And depending on your DM, uh, you may want to boost certain stats if you plan on multi-classing. Some DMs are more strict with saying, hey, you know, you have to have this much strength if you want to go fighter or, or this much dex or something like that. So maybe your stats for your, your secondary and, and tertiary abilities might be based on your DM's uh, rule of thumb as well. Yeah, it's possible. Very possible. Uh, I mean... It is codified in the rules, but a lot of DMs are just kind of like, oh, yeah, okay, well, throw that out. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. If someone if wants to be a paladin, if someone wants to be a warlock, like, does it make a lot of sense if you have eight charisma to try and be a warlock? No, but it sounds hilarious. So, I mean, <laughs> I'm not going to stop you. Yeah, I mean, my DM style for it is I care more about the reason for it. You know, what is your roleplay reason that your character is wanting to do it? Because right. if you just want to do it for the mechanics, it's like, I mean, do you really have to do it just for the mechanics? Like, what can you bring out of your character? What does your character get out of this, you, right. you know, as, as a person? Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I do enjoy the idea of an artificer as well, just to kind of switch to the class that we haven't talked a lot about. Like, I love the idea of... Once again, codifying the means that somebody makes something because that's been such a uh, like a nebulous area in Dungeons and Dragons for so long. Like, I don't know how it was before third edition, but in third edition there was like a bunch of different things you had to do in order to make a magic weapon. So for them mm. to just be like, "Hey, this is the this is the class that makes magic weapons." Like all the stuff that you see that's like like not necessarily like the legendary artifacts, but like just like those like the rods and all of the little things you see, like the magic Flame weapons. Tongue and scimitar and yeah. Yeah, exactly. Where like, it was like, okay, these are the people that make that. These are the ones that do that. So now there's a reason for those things to exist. Because honestly, a lot of the times you talk to wizards and like, why would a wizard make a flame tongue scimitar? What, what, they don't give a shit. Yeah. <laughs> so it doesn't really make any sense that they exist. And now, now there's a reason for them to exist. And it's such a cool idea too for like, I don't know about you, but, like, I, I think a lot about the profession of my character and, like, you know, the idea of building a artificer blacksmith sounds just fucking cool. You, you know, like, thinking about their profession and uh, for Long Road, we've done it more than any of our campaigns. We, we really focus on what they're doing in their downtime because we have so much downtime in the Long Road. You yeah. Know? Uh, and so, like, you, I think Safira does a lot of, like, crafting, you, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, she does a lot of when she's not doing her artwork, when she's not making like sculptures and such like that, she does a little bit of alchemy. She does a little bit mm -hmm. of uh, calligraphy. She's get, she's like, has a set of gem working tools that she kind of looks at, at the corner of her eye every so often and then kind of goes back to doing what she was doing. It's like one of those things where like, oh man, it would be super cool to do that some point, but she just has so many other things that she's like focusing on in her downtime that uh, gem cutting just isn't one of the things that she's focusing on. Yeah, I think Artificer took that idea of what you do in your downtime and said, hey, let's make a class, to, you know, dedicated to it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the world of Dungeons and Dragons, no matter what, you know, um, you're set in, you know, if you're in a low magic campaign, then maybe the Artificer's 
uh, values even more because there's so few yeah, of them. True. And if you're in a high magic campaign, maybe your your artificer is the average guy. You, you know, like that, yeah. that's that's a typical person. And there's so much lore you could do. There's so much NPC work. There's just so much you could do with the artificer, and, and it's something I would like to kind of play with. I have that character in Strixhaven, uh, Ragdor, mm-hmm. um, and he's kind of fun because I was like, oh, let's make a little subclass out of him. You know, and it's like, it's like, what can we focus on? Is there a specific material they like to work with? Is there a specific type of item like they like to create? It's just so role play heavy, and I love it. Yeah, plus who doesn't want to be Iron Man? Yeah, right? <laughs> like, that's just, it's just cool. It's just, it's just pretty cool. It's just mechanically never sung to me to the point where I would want to invest an entire campaign into being one. But that's not, mm-hmm. that's just me. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's and I haven't done it yet, and um, but I think about it. I'm like, you know what? Could could I create something really cool with this? And I think the possibility is there. There's just so many other options. I also want to try still. Like I still haven't made my bard character. I would like to make a bard character at some point. Yeah. You know, um, and so hell, I, I, have love a, I have a bard character. Yeah. <laughs> what the hell is up with that? <laughs> yeah. What the fuck is up with that? Yeah. Um, Okay, well, let's break this de- uh, this deep dive for a second. Let's think about... I like the, what we did last time with the music. Mm-hmm. So, if you had to think of, like, a, a music song of choice for these classes, um, we can just go down the order, starting with Sorcerer. Uh, what do we got? What are we thinking? Well, I've got one for Sorcerer and Wizard, because they kind of go the same, like, brand. Or it's, it applies to at least half of, of Wizards and Sorcerers. And that song is Fireball by Pitbull. <laughs> <laughs> that's so good like what can you say like yeah that's like I, I tried to think of something like man what would what would a wizard want to sing like fireball like yeah all right <laughs> write that one down for sorcerer i was thinking of the, the light em up song <laughs> light em, yeah that's pretty good um there's also a song called born for this by the score that i really like oh. for sorcerer yeah born for this fits in with that really Cause, well because like they say it and like the 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 song has a lot of lyrics about like warriors and stuff, but "Born for This" just kind of encapsulates the sorcerer and like their mindset for how they acqu- like how they quote unquote acquire their powers. Yeah, yeah, so, that's fair. Okay, uh, what about warlock? Uh, there's one that I thought of for that was it was called uh, "Arsonist's Lullaby" by Hosier. Uh-huh. And it's it's a lot of like very solemn and it's so and it, to me it seemed like one of those things where it was somebody looking for power that they didn't like they didn't have like they were looking they felt like helpless so they were like all right I need to find some way to gain this power and that just that is the warlock. Okay. Yeah. The idea of like, you know, I, I, I do like, and I like that you mentioned the idea of helplessness because maybe yeah. sometimes warlocks turn to a patron due to that feeling of helplessness, yeah. right? Like they, I, they just, for whatever reason in their lives, they haven't dedicated their time to becoming a warrior, becoming a major or a scholar. And then they find themselves in a situation where like somebody, like they need help from something. And like, who do you turn to in that situation? Like, and what do they want in return for that? Yeah. yeah. Uh, for, for me, for Warlock, I was thinking of the Eminem song, uh, Venom. Yeah. Because okay. the idea of a parasite is very much a patron. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> and, you know, there's also the, the Hex Girl song from Scooby-Doo. 
Oh my gosh, what a callback. <laughs> that was a pretty good one. That was nostalgia right in the field. Yeah, anybody, <laughs> shout out to the Hex Girls for some uh, some awakenings for all of the, I'm like, I was going to say male, but like anybody really, I just, you know, yeah. <laughs> I have a weird one for Wizard. I was thinking of, so um, when I think of Wizards, I think about the amount of studying, the amount of work they put in. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I thought of the Fort Minor song, Remember the Name. Okay. Um, because it makes me think about all that work they put into, like, you know, like, you know, like the idea of remembering the name. And sometimes wizards have this goal to be renowned, you know? Yeah, absolutely. It's got that, uh, the megalomania is definitely a, a, a risk for anybody who that, who wishes to obtain that kind of, like, that power. Like, ninth level wizard spells are very powerful, and you have to be a specific kind of person. To not only reach for that kind of power, but be willing to use it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. The consequences are huge. Yeah, it doesn't it doesn't really uh, translate very well into the mechanics of Dungeons and Dragons sometimes. But the idea of ninth level spells are kind of horrific if you think about them. Yeah, I mean, what level is power word kill? Is that like a seven or eight? Or is that pretty a sure nine? it's nine? Okay, yeah. I mean, just a word. Power word kill. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah, like. What kind of person would would learn that spell, let alone employ its use? It's kind of crazy to think about. Okay, so for Bard, this is a, this is a stretch, um, but I'm 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 uh, this is what I'm going to try to do here. Th- there is you used to watch Psych. You remember, absolutely right, the show Psych. Okay, th- did you ever watch the musical? Yes. Okay, so I love the musical first of all, uh, but they use this song by James Roday and he goes when you're making up a song and he's just <laughs> improving a song and I was like that is the bard's life like you know <laughs> yeah I mean if if I was going to say like what a bard like a character for a bard like James Roday is pretty much right there like a rogue yeah. bard such a fucking good show yeah uh, it's hard I tried to think of something for bard and I was just like, but Bard is the music. So making it, it's like, you're trying to think of a, a music for music. For music. It's yeah. like, that doesn't really make any sense. So my uh, my default go-to is going to be Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh, yeah. Oh, so good. Such a great choice. What, yeah. what a, a strong, like, you know, power mm-hmm. uh, move there. That's good. I like that. Yeah. That, that was that. The music from the movie El Dorado fits really well into the vibe of Bards I like. But that's just Elton John, I guess. Yeah, I was. Gonna, yeah, that makes sense. Uh, uh, for artificers, I actually had one that came up to me while I was driving back from getting food, and it was uh, "Harder, Better, Faster, Stronger" by oh Daft Punk. <laughs> and I was like, "That that sounds pretty much." It's like like a cyberpunk artificer, but still. Yeah, that's really good. I um, I was. And I didn't think of this until you literally said the words, who doesn't want to be Iron Man? So I'm going with Iron Man. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. <laughs> Artifice is also anything by uh, the band, the, de- the the cog is dead. Like, that's a good one. Like, because they have a lot mm-hmm. of like steampunk kind of feel to them. And a lot of like a callback to that kind of like with gears and like cranks and that kind of thing. And there's a song that uh, they sing called The Girl and the Clockwork Dragon. Okay. It's very, uh, and essentially the story is that there's this mechanical dragon that's kind of tearing up the part, the uh, countryside, and the king start and like this 
non-named king starts throwing knights and like all of this all of these like powerful individuals at them and he kills and the dragon kills all of them because it's dragon and then <laughs> eventually this uh small girl who has a uh, artificial heart like a clockwork heart goes up to it and it talks to it and like and the dragon can hear the uh like the clock ticking in her chest and like feels a kinship to her and it's this very it's a very sweet little story and i thought it, it worked well with artificer's uh, whole ideal yeah, no, that, I like that a lot. The uh, the the one I thought about before, um, you know, mm-hmm. you mentioned the word Iron Man, uh, mm-hmm. was that there's a there's a person that, uh, a group called Wood Kid, and uh, Wood Kid came up with a song called Iron, mm-hmm. um, and it was used in the Assassin's Creed's Revelations trailer, mm-hmm. um, and it was so well done, and I was like, oh, the sound of like you know, cogs and iron in the background, hammers and stuff like that. It, it has a really cool vibe for an artificer. Kind of a darker vibe, though. Sure. I mean, that, that sounds pretty cool. Yeah, Wood, Wood Kid's interesting. They have a, a lot of kind of dark, kind of deep cuts that they do. They're pretty fun. Mm-hmm. Sure. Okay, break it away from music. Because I, I think that's all the classes, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, what is some of the uh, positives and negatives you're seeing with the the UA, like the Unearthed Arcana? What, what are they doing to the classes that's good or bad? <laughs> wow. Let me tell you some of the thoughts I have about the Unearthed Arcana, specifically for Warlocks. Warlock, there it is. So, in the beginning of this whole playtest thing, back in the back in the day when they <laughs> had the vain hope of calling this project One D and D dumbest fucking thing i've ever heard by the way <laughs> just call it 5.5 no one gives a shit that just what everyone's going to call it anyway you're making a new system that's backwards compatible with fifth edition it's 5.5 <laughs> anyway they came out with this really cool idea for the warlock where they were a half caster and they got like a bunch they have more invocations and they had all this stuff and like they were trying to get and the reason that i saw for this is because I saw in other uh, instances they were trying to limit the amount of uh, mechanical uh, reliances on short rests. They were trying to move away from that kind of short rest idea and more into putting a long rest as the defining end of adventure thing that you do. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was really cool. I like more spells. Especially because after looking at the invocations, they weren't taking, they were giving you more invocations as well. So I'm just looking at it like, how is this bad? And like, obviously the trade-off was you don't get your spell slots back after a short rest. That's, and like, that's, that was the trade-off. And like, to me, yeah. for, as someone who plays a warlock in a party where not everyone else is a warlock, <laughs> <laughs> trying to convince people to do a short rest is so kind of inept and so silly that a lot of the time what ends up happening is the dm aka you in the situation Mm -hmm. literally came up with an item that you gave short rests to people by drinking and it was like it was like it was a drawback like you got drunk because it was alcohol but like that's essentially what warlocks need in order to do what they need to do and honestly when you do that to a warlock he like they lose their kind of identity and Mm -hmm. so i would rather give up this like and a lot of people argue like oh but getting your your spell slots back out out of short rest like that's the whole thing about warlocks that's that's what makes them good it's like sure it would make it makes them good in 
a very specific circumstance that a lot of times just doesn't make sense to do. It doesn't make sense to make a short rest for the one caster when everyone else is fine. It just doesn't make any sense. So yeah. I, I thought it was a good idea. And then, um, what was it, like a couple weeks ago, they reverted it. They were saying, oh, no, no, it's, we'll, we'll just make it so now other people have to do short rests as well and like give them a reason to take short rests, which is fine. I don't mind it. I would have liked to have more spells, but it's neither here nor there. But that, that's just my... My interpretation was, everyone is wrong. This is pretty cool. They should keep it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was the playtest seven. For anybody who's followed along with those, it's the the seventh playtest is when they decided to kind of bring that back. You know, take take like, eh, let's let's go back more towards the traditional form. And I think they're doing what you top out at four spells instead of two spells now. Um, yeah, is the is the way they're trying to go around it. Yeah, and you still um, have the the Mystic Arcanum, which gives you a. Uh, sixth, seventh, eighth, or ninth level spell uh, per yeah. per long rest, and that's how they get around having like ninth level spells on a uh, short rest cooldown. But yeah, I don't know. I I would rather have more cool stuff than necessarily get ninth level spells as a as a mm-hmm. warlock. Like it's yeah. obviously ninth level spells very powerful. It'd be cool to have them. I don't want to. I don't want to keep it just to keep it i would rather like say okay well i'll give you this if you give me like some more cool stuff like oh yeah i don't get the ninth eighth seventh level spells but give me like a bunch of cool uh you know uh subclass options or more like a like a better something or other or like cooler invocations that you can only unlock at like 17th level or some shit like you know like give me something else because I don't necessarily need this thing that is more a wizard thing or more a sorcerer thing. If I wanted to be a charisma caster that casts ninth level spells, I would just be a sorcerer. Mm-hmm. So like, I don't really understand what the attachment was to that particular aspect of Warlock, personally. Yeah, in, the, um, in a different kind of way, I liked some of the stuff they did with Sorcerer. I thought Sorcerer is now getting more of its, uh, I guess you could say, its identity thrown uh, into its actual class system. For sure. Uh, one of the things I was thinking about was in, in the new one they released, they mentioned, uh, I think it's called, oh my gosh, something innate. Um, I'll have to double check it later. But it was um, innate sorcery. That's what it's called, innate sorcery. And what it did was essentially at first level, level one, right right off the back, as a bonus action, you were increasing your spell DC by one, mm-hmm. and you get advantage on attack rolls that you that you cast, and you can use it twice per long rest. And essentially, it lasted for a minute. And it was just a moment of like, I'm going to unleash my sorcerer fury, the thing that powers me. I'm going to be stronger at casting spells. I was like, that's fucking cool. Uh, yeah, I also liked Sorcerer Rage. I thought that was pretty yeah. cool. I like I yeah. like Arcane Rage. Yeah, and they they did the Arcane Eruption, which sounded really cool. Yeah, you know? that was one of the coolest things that I've I saw in the UA for Arcane Casters. Was like, oh yeah, you're a Draconic uh, Bloodline Sorcerer. All right, well you're gonna unleash your your Draconic might. You're gonna grow like wings, and you can do all this. Like you get a breath weapon, and like you just become like like embody that kind of whatever it is that you are uh, drawing your arcane power from. I'm like, that's cool as fuck. Cause like, that's, yeah. that's the kind of shit 
that like if you can do innately that will separate you from a, a wizard because like a wizard might not be able to cast a spell to do something similar like tensor's transform transformation is a thing but like mm -hmm. they can't do that that's cool as hell and then like you think about that, like okay well what would that look like for a fey warlock or what would that look like for a genie warlock or like name any of the other freaking like patrons like that would be so freaking cool like imagine a uh, like one f that does like the celestials and like imagine what that would look like if it exploded in this arcane you know just rush of energy like that would be so cool yeah i i don't know if you could you probably know more than i do about wizards but there's this thing they're trying to do with memorize spell where essentially you um you can like you can all of a sudden remember a spell from your spell book that you didn't have prepared right and i thought that sounds kind of cool like it's a once a once a day kind of thing you can mm -hmm. do but it's like a oh shit i didn't prepare for this but you know what there is one spell i could pull out of my ass for this yeah i mean that makes sense just like give you it's a, like a little... fifth level feature it's not it's not super you know it doesn't take forever to get it you yeah know? i don't know it's it's always a little iffy when you circumvent the the basic like premise of what you're doing like yeah mm -hmm. you're, you're like because basically like and like i know you establish a rule and then you have powers to break it that's fine i i just don't know if that's the kind of thing that i would want because there are so many other like cool things you could get that one just doesn't do it for me i guess yeah although i did i do enjoy that they gave the wizard like just create spell like you just make up a fucking spell yeah <laughs> i thought that was fun yeah that is pretty cool like you know what and i'm sure people would abuse it but there's a lot of fun that could happen to it i think it would make the game fun yeah i just think it's a good way to do because we did this a couple times as well where we'll look at like kibble's tasty compendium or like spell compendium and stuff like that looking yeah. for spells that are like other spells but a different um a different element or like have a little mm -hmm. bit different to like like the crackle that Astro likes to use is essentially Scorching Ray, but yeah. with like a, with like a stun feature instead of the other thing that Scorching Ray has. I I am so like for me personally, uh, elemental like if I was to play a wizard, it would it would be um, essentially working as person does elements like that. That's yeah. huge for my playstyle. Um, is it evocation? Right, evocation. Um, Usually, that's where the elements are located. Yeah. And, like, obviously, D&D &D has this biasness towards fire, for better or for worse. Um, I love that someone like Kibble's Tasty was like, hey, let's have some lightning stuff. Let's have some ice stuff. Mm -hmm. I love that kind of stuff. Like, I, I love the flavor. More earth stuff, more wind stuff, you know? Yeah, wind is definitely uh, overlooked. I mean, when, you're ha when, like, the most iconic thing about your IP is casting fireball, like, there's really just so much you can do. Yeah, like they made Fireball and Lightning Bolt so blatantly overpowered that there's literally no reason not to use them. And that's not even they're not even like my favorite spells, but, you know, it's just they're really good. Yeah. But when someone goes, hey, let's make a spell that's called Ice Ball. It's like, fuck, yeah, let's yeah. do it. You know, <laughs> so, but like my point is that now there is a way in the game that you can be like, OK, I'm going to use create spell to make a, you know, freaking ice scorching ray or whatever like mm -hmm. it's it's just it's codified in the rules now and i think that's a really good idea and i also really enjoy that the wizard is the one that can do it yeah 
I think that makes perfect sense. Yeah, unless you have a specific feat that like changes what you're doing, because I know a lot of sorcerers tend to take the feat that like gives you a uh, like an elemental adept and it allows you to change the spells that you do to that particular um, element. Yeah. I think that's pretty cool, and I think that's fun. I think that the wizards having the ability to make whatever they want to means... As, as if you needed more reasons to play a wizard, <laughs> there's another one. Well, I think this kind of brings us into our next topic, which is favorite spells. You know, like spells that... And they could be just powerful spells. But, you know, like, what are your guilty pleasure spells, you know? Guilty pleasure spells. See, that's different than favorite spells, I think. Yeah, that's true. But that's my, true. But I, I think you won't be surprised by this. But my favorite spell is haste. I think haste yeah. is really good. I, I like that uh, there are so many items and ways to get that kind of status effect as well. I like the fact that boots of haste are so iconic is kind of just it kind of says itself. Almost, it's yeah. all, they're almost as iconic as a wand of fireball. Yeah, honestly, yeah, absolutely. It, it has come specifically and mainly 5e. It has really taken off. Yeah, so I really like haste. Um, a spell that I refuse to use, but I have recognized that it is very broken is Silvery Barbs. Uh-huh. It's so good that I don't use it. <laughs> it it sounds great for like dueling, you know. It just it sounds so good, there's no drawback to having it. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. there will never be a situation where silvery barbs isn't a good thing to have. Like I guess you could say that for a lot of spells, but Considering that Silvery Barbs is a first level spell, like they're not yep. usually supposed to be that cut and dry good. I think it's called broken, is what they're called. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, you know, <laughs> sometimes it'd be that way. There are... I think my fave spell um, is Bigby's Hand. Oh, so good. It's so cool. Like, you could use it to, like, lift yourself up. You could use it to, like, punch things. Like, it's such a cool-ass spell, you know? It has a lot of a lot of potential. It can do so many things. It's very fun. I like the idea of... So, I love arcane battles. So, I know it's, like, very useful, and it's usually it's a hot topic, but counterspell is just a cool spell. The idea that someone's about to do something to you, and you go, uh, fuck no, you're not. Like, you know, and, like whatever happens and you cancel that spell maybe there's an arcana rule role that happens but it's such a cool idea that i have power to stop you doing what you're doing oh counter spell <laughs> oh counter spell counter spell counter spell it's such a good idea but the way that magic is done in dungeons and dragons makes it such a fucking cock block that it it I hesitate to feel say that it feels good to use. Okay. Like, it feels like... Because, like, here's the thing. It's one of those instances where, like, as a DM, I'm always like, okay, if you guys can do it, then I can do it. If you guys have this ability, then I can have this ability. Like, if you guys have this critical method, then I use the same one. And mm-hmm. so the idea that everyone is using counterspell whenever someone casts a spell is just so like, all right, great. We, well, then I guess I don't do that then. And I sit on my fucking finger and spin, I guess. Like, it's just one of those <laughs> things where, like, it doesn't feel good to have it happen to you because it feels like there's nothing you can do against it. Like, they, they didn't make it, like, they might have made a roll if it's, like, a 
a six level spell that they did that but like that's a it's it's a role to do but it's not necessarily especially difficult yeah i don't know it's, it's one of those things where like it just doesn't feel good to me and that's why a lot of the time what i prefer to do is the like the the dueling thing where like oh he's gonna use fireball so i'm gonna use like a uh, wa uh, wall of water or something like that mm -hmm. and like that would be a cool use of the reaction that you get and i would rather have that for a uh maybe not necessarily everybody but for specific um classes or maybe like as a feat or something it yeah. might be fun but just having a reaction spell that says no you don't do that it's like it feels against the uh the spirit of the improv show that is Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. It's always supposed yeah. to be yes and and counterspell is the no. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, there there's also spells that I know like they're useful, but I think there's a certain representations that have happened in different shows and uh, some of the ways that you guys as players have described that I've really just like, man, that's a cool aesthetic. Mm -hmm. One of those for me is uh in the second campaign of critical role of uh, Fjord, uh, Travis's character, is Armor of Agathus. Mm -hmm. And he describes it as this, like, frost coming off his skin, and, like, the the cold air breathing, like, when you're in the frozen section, you, you know? Yeah. And, like, it was just such a cool, like, thought. I was like, damn, yeah. I, I know it gives you temporary hit points, and then also it, it does damage when someone hits you with a melee. So it is useful, but I like the aesthetic of it more than the actual mechanic of it. Uh, yeah. I mean, the temporary hit points are an underutilized mechanic in a fifth edition. Besides, like, use it for like false life, and then a couple yeah. of the healing spells that low level you get a lot of temporary hit points. Healing aid and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah, and then once you get to like level two or three, it kind of falls off the face of the earth for actual healing. Yeah, because it's like eight or ten, and we're no longer doing only eight or ten damage. Yeah. yeah. So like, I think it would be cool to have either a higher level spell or the ability to upcast those kinds of spells to a more interesting degree. Cause like okay. the idea of getting like 60 temporary hit points through whatever is like, damn, that's a lot of goddamn hit points. Yeah. If, and you had, you, you did the trade off by upcasting. You yeah. Know? So like, I feel like temporary hit points is something that in the higher echelons of tiers of gameplay kind of gets forgotten. Which is, you know, a lot of things are like that. Like, you don't usually end up seeing a lot of pack tactics uh, when you're level 11 and 12. <laughs> yeah. I like the aesthetic as well as the mechanic of shield. I think it's really well done. It's, it's a plus 5 AC, so it has a cap, mm -hmm. right? But also, it's just the idea that something's coming at you and then, boom, you know, some kind of thing, just a force field or whatever it might be, some power or what might be. Uh, knocks it away is a really cool mechanic. I definitely like it more than counterspell. I'll say that. Yeah. And I, I know it's like a a lower level spell, so it's hard to compare it to. But first of all, mm -hmm. countering magic missile, which is itself a very iconic spell, unblockable. Yeah. Is like all right, cool. That gives it a, a specific niche, even outside of the times where you don't necessarily need five AC. Even though my blade dancer loves that shit, or my blade singer loves that. It's like, oh yeah. man, my you you somehow beat my AC of twenty one. Well, I'm gonna cast shield and fuck you. 
Yeah. Um, are there certain spells? Uh, and actually, you and I have talked about this, uh, but maybe you want to share with them. Are there certain spells you're like, mm, we need to think about modifying for uh, the purposes of, of 5e and playing as a DM? God, there's so many. I would have to like make a list. Yeah. So, I mean, I know we talked about as like with race abilities, yeah, like the idea of flight, right? Yes. Um, that's something we've talked about in the past. Mm-hmm. But I guess the ability of the spell fly, you're, you're probably okay with because they, they're actually taking the trade off of casting it. Yeah, I would say that the spell fly isn't necessarily like, I will say this. It's very powerful. Flying mm. is very powerful. And it's not the power of the spell that annoys me as much from its use. The problem with fly and a lot of DMs will say this, is once you give your players the ability to fly, every single encounter after that needs to keep that in mind. And the yeah. problem with that is that it limits the amount of cool encounters you can think of, because if, if someone can just fly and completely undo it, they will, because why wouldn't they? So it's less of a reason, it's less of a power thing, and like, oh man, my, it's, I'm so powerful now that I can fly. It's more just like, <laughs> now, only so many things can hurt me. And so in order for the game to be interesting, those are the only things that you will see. Yeah. All right. Well, I think it's another time for another break <laughs> with, uh, with from this deep dive. Uh, scenes from a hat with Kat. Kat, uh, you're joining us with a, a seat right next to me. Oh, shit. What okay. are we doing? <laughs> I guess I should probably hide the list of things to do from you. Okay. Yeah, that would be good. Way to remind me of that part. <laughs> roll a D13. I don't it, think I have you, a D13. You're going to make me roll a Carl Crawford dice? <laughs> a D13 is a thing. Why you do this to me? Because I forgot to ask people for more scenes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Here, roll a D20 and see if it lands on something under 13. Seven. Good. <laughs> Thank God. Ranger leading expeditions into a giant forest. Ranger leading expeditions to a giant forest? Yeah. Like a like a now are the, giant are, animals, plants, all sorts of stuff. Alright, alright. Thanks, RGD from Mastodon. Okay. <laughs> you probably don't listen to our show because it's brand new. Okay. But you're called out in it because you're cool. Well <laughs> if the if it's a ranger doing this, then I think uh, it's appropriate for you to introduce us to this uh Particular improv scene. Yeah. Um. Crikey. Would you look <laughs> over there? There's a... What is that, like a crocodile? Nope, that's not a crocodile. That's a... That's just, that's just a dead person. Uh, all right, so... How, how many you, legs if, does a crocodile usually have? <laughs> uh, well, uh, it typically has no more than, no more than four. Um, well, whatever that oh, thing it, is, it's got a lot of legs. Uh, it does, doesn't it? Oh God, what is it? Oh, you know, I can't really tell what it is, but uh, oh, oh, by the way, if you look to your left, that's a maple tree. Yeah, maple, <laughs> beautiful, great, great leaves, <laughs> great sap. If you know what I'm talking about, maple syrup. Mm -hmm. Anyway, back to the crocodile. So, uh, or whatever the fuck it is, a rachnid, a rachodile. That's a rachodile. Has eight legs. Holy shit! Oh God, that's that got sounds a lot of absolutely teeth. fucking terrifying. You know, it's like the size of a, a Goliath, but like a Goliath who's like ate another Goliath. 
I think it actually has a Goliath inside its mouth if I'm looking at it right now. Oh shit, it's Goliathception. Oh, look at that bird. That's a really pretty bird over there. Oh god, the it's, bird it's, is eating the Arachnoblogophobes. Oh my god, it's a rock. It's a fucking ember rock. <laughs> Don't eat me, Dwayne. <laughs> Don't eat me, Dwayne. <laughs> and scene. <laughs> we didn't get through for, far in the forest. <laughs> I only got half of that, but it was fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and now I hope that again. the Araka Gator will haunt everyone's dreams. A rock, a rock gator, <laughs> a rock gator eaten oh. by a rock. <laughs> Monster coming to a D and D campaign soon. Yeah, let me just write something down real quick. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. no, no, don't, don't worry about no, it too much. Don't worry about it. Witherbloom might have these. <laughs> Shit, boy. Uh, let's do another one. I've uh, spawned. Two. A botanical shop that sells the rarest of magical plants. Courtesy of Copos Art on Twitter. Copos. Oh, by the way, if you haven't got a chance to check out Copos Art, they have some awesome art, by the way. Mm. Um, That's a little thing I like. I love looking at their art. Uh, all right. So botanical gar it's a botanical garden. Hmm. Botanical shop that sells the rarest of magical plants. Okay. Hmm. Okay. You want to take this one? Uh, yeah. Give me a minute. Let me think about this. This is counting down now. Sixty. <laughs> Fifty-nine. <laughs> mm. Mm. The choices. Alright, 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 alright. <clears throat> yes, hello. Welcome to our magical plant shop. Patent pending. Please look around and see the rarest of all magical plants. This beautiful bonsai tree, instead of the usual Brilliant green is now slightly paler green. I know, I know, very, very impressive. It's been a <laughs> extremely long time in breeding this particular magical plant. The just gentlest of uh, seafoam greens just washing over you. And now if you looked slightly to your left some more, you will see this one, instead of being green, it's blue. I know, I know. Extremely rare, extremely valuable. Please keep your pants on. Do not overstate. I cannot overstate how rare these particular plants are. And if you look behind you, you will see that this other plant is eating one of our guests as we speak. Very rare, very <laughs> oh impressive. It's, it's almost eating me. It's very, it's, oh. yes, yes. A, the most rare carnivorous plant in existence. Mm, yes, it can. It's it, can continue it smells to, so good in here. It can continue to eat anything that you put near it in just without cease. So why don't you all just stand there and very much. And I, he's backing. And as I back away, I close the door and just let the plant eat everybody there. Everybody there. <laughs> I think it's an aloe. Oh, God. <laughs> yes, yes. You'll need some aloe when you're done. Yes. Thank you. Uh, enjoy your stay. And then the door closes. <laughs> door closes. Locked. <laughs> oh god! Let's do one more. One more. That was good. All right. Certainly the most frightening. Oh, shop. you said up to thirteen? Yes. I rolled a thirteen. A dragon cafe, like a cat cafe, full of tiny, cuddly, chicken-sized dragons. What's a cat cafe? A place you get coffee and cuddle with cats. They just have cats roaming around, yeah. and feces like. What? No, I assume the cats do their business elsewhere. Oh, they don't—they don't poop in the cafe. 
I would think. Okay. All right. So a dragon cafe with baby chick-sized dragons. Tiny, cuddly, chicken-sized dragons. Who's this one from? Archie D and Mastodon. All right. Mastodon represent. I see you. Yeah. <laughs> okay. This um, this coffee it has a it, it's kind of hot. Do, do you do you um, do you heat it with the dragons here or like how do you get it so? Oh, that's my tongue. Ow! Uh, yes, oh, sir. All of our dragons are, have their own uh, specific blend that they enjoy. Uh, I believe the one you are drinking right now is for a red dragon. Very spicy. Very, very, uh, very potent. Uh, it, the dragons are so cute. I burnt my tongue, y'all. Yeah, that's, it, it does say in on the uh, sign outside, please uh, beware of extremely spicy drinks. And um, also... Exceptionally frigid, frigid drinks. Uh, there have been several uh, guests who have gotten their tongue stuck on the outside of a glass for some reason. I don't really understand, but we, it happened so many times that we, of course, had to put out a sign. There's like literally as he's trying to cool off his tongue, he has like a, a block of iced coffee. <laughs> like it's just frozen together. It's just sticking to his tongue. <laughs> yes, indeed. This is this is really weird. <laughs> it seems you are uh, the perfect candidate for to test out our extra strength uh, medicinal herbal tea that uh, one of our uh, metallic dragons is special for. So here, let me slide you one of those so that you will heal all of the uh, self-inflicted wounds you have uh, put uh, upon yourself. And as you're doing this, like there are like four or five dragons just kind of like climbing on top of this person. <laughs> oh, 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 is that dragon meal? It says, it's like a nice, nice, nice. It's I'm, good. I'm sorry, sir. Our, our uh, recipes are strictly confidential. Oh, well, if I, if I told you what they were, I would have to feed you to the dragons. I apologize. <laughs> Looks at the cutest dragons ever, but still in fear. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> Honestly, this sounds like the best cafe ever. <laughs> no, I want to go to a cat cafe just to experience one of these. I, I've been to a cat cafe a couple of times. It was very nice. Is it like where was it in like St. Pete or yeah. where was it? Yeah, it was in St. Pete. Oh wow! Yeah, it basically, was one of those places where you could go, you get like a little drink, and then like look at all of the adoptable cats. Like, oh, at the time I already had cats, so I w couldn't adopt them. But yeah, they're all very yeah. Sweet. All right. Well, scene. Thank you yeah. so much, cat, for scenes from a hat Did with cats. Just hold out your hand, like you were gonna shake my hand. No, I was I was me? pointing to you, so our invisible cameras can see that I'm pointing to you. Gosh, she's calling me out on everything over here. Yeah, I see that. And your wife, who holds out their hand for a handshake from their wife. Yeah. Well, I also accidentally said pandemic to you instead of pan pansexual maniac to you today. Everybody <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, uh, we only have a couple more things to get through before we end the session. So uh, what's your favorite uh, arcane subclass, Andrew? Oh, boy. My favorite arcane subclass... The one I've had the most fun so far with is definitely the uh, Archfey Warlock. I have a lot. Of, it's a lot. It's very much uh, an RP thing, though. So from a mechanical standpoint, I feel like the two most interesting ones is either the Divination Wizard, which mm -hmm. is really good. Um, only like it's uh, it's pretty good as well. And then uh, I also very much enjoy the Divine Soul. 
uh, Sorcerer. Oh, yeah. That's a cool one. That's a really fun one. And uh, shout out to Jimbo Cocktoastin, <laughs> Divine Soul Sorcerer. <laughs> a lot of fun. I, I'm so torn. You know, I have, like, so... Uh... Janus is a storm sorcerer, and I love the idea of storms. It's like, if I could control any element, lightning's always been my thing, mm -hmm. you know? Um, but I love... Mercer came up with, in one of his books, the College of the Maestro for Bard, mm -hmm. and I used uh, Professor Zafai in our Strixhaven. He has that idea. So he's literally conducting the world, and he shifts that into music. Mm -hmm. Um and spells and it's the coolest thing i think if i ever make a bard character i'll either one make my own uh subclass like college of percussion or something yeah. like that it feels like that's the most pure version of a bard of like because that's like the idea of their spell casting comes from f feeling the world of music and drawing magic from that so it, yeah. it seems like college of the maestros is like it's just it's the basic identity of the bard, but turned up to 11. Yeah, and I was going to say, it actually leads me into the, you know, the next kind of talking point, um, which is the, like, arcane classes and other media, you know, like other examples. Sure. The College of Maestro, there's this movie, I don't know if you ever saw, called August Rush. I have um, not seen that. And so it's, I can't remember his name, it's the kid from Spiderwick Chronicles. Um, hmm. And he was in a ton of like I think he was in the Willy Wonka movie with with Johnny Depp as the kid, you know, mm -hmm. um, as was it Charlie, right? Yeah. Um, and he is this person who is like essentially, uh, realistically, he's a savant at at music, mm -hmm. right? Uh, and he just hears the sounds of the road, and he lives. I think he's like New York City or something like that. And he takes all the sounds, and he's like you know eight years old. And he's like doing music at a collegiate above level mm -hmm. and it was a really cool idea and i was like oh this is so fun um so i, I kind of like whenever i think bard I, I kind of just think of that every time this kid who's just taking the sounds of the world and making music into it sure absolutely like the the bard is one step farther which is taking the music of the world and turning it into magic yeah so yeah um that's 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 pretty cool i mean if we're thinking of other media, I don't know. It's it's I I. <laughs> there are so many different ways that magic has been done, and a lot of the time, they kind of tend to focus on either you can be a wizard or you can be a sorcerer. Very rarely uh -huh. does a lot of media have the ability Separate to do them. both. Yeah. Like, like, either magic is inherent in an individual, or magic can be learned by anybody. That's usually how IPs work, because they don't have the time or the, the resources to really, like, flesh out different ways that magic can be done. So, I have, I have a question for you um, regarding this, uh, and it just came to me, so I'm putting you on the spot. In the Guardian, you saw the Guardians of the Galaxy too, right? Yes. All right. Um, Star Lord, his like ability that he has to be a celestial. Mm -hmm. Would you consider that more sorcerer, like he's born that way, or is that more warlock because it's fueled by the planet ego? Um. The problem I have with answering that question is because that movie is very 
Uh, let's see. What's the word I want to use? Inconsistent with how it describes okay. how that power works. Because from what Ego tells him, he should have that power inherently. Uh-huh. But then he ends up not. So yeah, after the clan's destroyed. I'm assuming that he was just lying beforehand and the power was granted to him. And in that case, he would be a warlock in the in the small times where he was able to use that power. Okay. If he was telling the truth and Star-Lord just has that power inherently, he would be a sorcerer. Okay. But it makes sense to yeah, me. Like the, it, it was very inconsistently portrayed in the movie, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, even um, I was thinking like, you know, we mentioned earlier X-Men as a, a form of, you could say, sorcerer and, and, and um, Venom could be an example of a warlock. Um, yes. Artificers. Is there any artificers that kind of come to mind? You know, besides like Lord of the Rings, Forging of the Rings, you know? Um, <laughs> I guess Iron Man, like legit. Yeah, Iron. like Iron Man. <laughs> any, there's, there's a couple of different um, superheroes in the Iron Man vein where... They just are so technologically advanced, it becomes that, like, in the, in the same way that, like, Thor might be considered an artificer because he has, like, the big fucking hammer, but he didn't make that, yeah. so it's hard to you say. You could maybe use Peter Dinklage's character, the dwarf yeah. that forged shit. You could maybe use yeah, him. the dwarves in, in, those, in that mythology would be a pretty good uh, artificer allegory. Uh, but yeah, there's not a lot of main characters that do, like building that I can think of. I'm sure there are some out there, but yeah, no, I'm not sure about that part. Um, I'm blanking on her name, but the sister from the Black Panther. Yes, she would be a good example as well, because like she just is so freaking smart that uh, yeah. she is able to make things that other people can't, and because other people use them, it's like, okay, that's a, basically an artificer uh, infusion item that they they gave to somebody else. Yeah. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and I think um, a lot of times they end up being side characters, the artificers, it seems like, or their plot lines, they, you know? They are inherently, they feel very support class. Yeah. Like, they're even, like, they're a half-caster, they have items that other people can use, they do all this, like, they, they do all this, like, kind of supporty stuff. Like, they can be the frontline fighter, but I don't think I've seen one I don't think I've ever seen someone play a frontline fighter or artificer yet. And then even with uh, the artificer you have in Strixhaven, he mm. he's uh, he play he does have offensive um, weaponry, but most of the things that he does is defensive and support. Yeah, even in his mage tower position, he's designed as a defensive yeah uh, player. Yeah. So yeah, it's it's one of those things where a lot of the time. There's not an artificer per se. It's just a wizard with magical items. It's like yeah, because like even Lord of the Rings, I wouldn't consider that to be an artificer really. Like he's just a wizard. I mean, a Calibrimbor maybe, but like he's pretty much just a wizard. Yeah, yeah, that's that's <laughs> a good point. I don't know. I'm not super familiar with the uh, the deep lore of Tolkien, but from what There's I've a seen, lot of it. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, but what from what I've seen is Calibrimbor had other abilities besides forging rings. Like mm -hmm. he, he did other things. So that's all that's all I've seen from him anyway. Oh. 
All right. Well, I think that brings us to our last thing, and it's that time for that uh, magic item uh, infomercial. Mm-hmm. Okay. Huh. So, uh, you are. Uh, what's the, what's the item you want to sell here? Well, let me let me let me ask you this question real quick. Do you fear death? Yes. Well, I can't help you with that. But here's another question. Do you fear aging? Do you fear becoming decrepit? Yes. Awesome. I can help you with that. With the (laughs) newest item from Science, Science, and Not Science Incorporated, patent pending, (laughs) we have a very special item where... Instead of you aging and you being afflicted with all of these terrible, terrible maladies that you get just from living your life, you can take those maladies and transfer them through a soul link to this very special self-portrait that I have. I've, I'm so sold on this item that I've made one for myself, and you can have one too, limit one per customer. Anytime <laughs> you have anything that goes wrong in your life, you can, with a very powerful, powerful, I mean spell, transform your life into the ideal one that you want. And everything that bad that happens to you, maybe you, instead of uh, you trip and fall down the stairs and break your neck, but you didn't break your neck. Suddenly your portrait's neck just doesn't have the same (laughs) mm, sturdiness to it. But yes, anything you can think of, we can do. We can soul link to this portrait and you will be forever young and forever happy. And it can be yours only here at Science, Science, and Not Science for the low, low price of 999 million gold. Now, I know that sounds like a lot, but there is financing options available and you will live forever. So really, what is money when you have unlimited time? I love that you just made Dorian Gray the lich. <laughs> is that not what he is? Is that yeah, not no, what that story's about? That is fucking absolutely correct. <laughs> oh, that was beautiful. I want that one. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us for a second session of Tavern Ramblings. Hopefully we rambled enough for you on the, uh, the classes of the arcane. You can join us next time where we talk about the divine. Um, uh, I'm John, brought to you also with... Do you fear death? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Oh, this is so much fun. Uh, once again, uh, we hope you have a good time and come check check us out. Come check out Lizards and Locations and our multitude of campaigns, our beautiful one-shots and our randomness of Patreon and Kofi or coffee events and shenanigans that we get up to. Uh, you can you see us YouTube, Spotify, all the typical things, and uh, we love to see you here. And uh, can we roll yet? See you.